Hello and welcome. I'm Shan Vanderleek, producer, voice talent, and founder of PodcastBath.com. I love interviewing heart-centered female entrepreneurs about their new podcasts and supportive offerings. Today, it's my pleasure to introduce you to Michelle Gale and share a behind-the-scenes conversation about her brand new podcast, Mindful Parenting in a Messy World, that launches this month on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and at michellegale.com. Michelle is a mindfulness educator, executive coach, and budding author. She's an advisor for the Wisdom 2.0 Conference, the Mindful Schools, and Tilt 365. She also serves on the board of the Holistic Life Foundation. Michelle shares her mastery in schools, organizations, and one-on-one. Life is messy, and she believes it's within that messiness where we find our greatest potential for growth. The parent-child relationship offers us a window into where we have yet to grow up like none other. A central question Michelle is always working to address is how parents can live in a way that is meaningfully connected to themselves and their children, even as the demands and complexity of contemporary life and work are accelerated. She believes at least part of the answer to that question lies in becoming more intimate with our own inner world. One of her favorite quotes is by Aristotle, who shared, Knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. Michelle is the mother of two boys, one who is already a teenager and one who is just a few years away. Her boys are her greatest life teachers and the inspiration for her work in the world. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you, Shan. I really appreciate it. It's so good to be here with you today. So I would love for you to first begin with talking about what inspired you to start Mindful Parenting in a Messy World. The inspiration that led me to launch this project started many years ago when I was working full-time out of the house 60 or 70 hours a week. Um, I joined the company Twitter in its early days um, to work with the HR team, helping with leadership development and supporting culture and putting their early learning and development offerings together for the organization. So prior to that, I'd always been a consultant with flexible hours that made working and caring for a family much more simple. I didn't have to struggle with being out of the house so much and juggling quite as much as I did when I went to work for Twitter. Michelle, tell me more about what it was like for you working so many hours out of the home. Well, I loved my work, but being away from my family all week long was more difficult than I had imagined it would be. At the time, my children were very young in preschool and early primary school, and I was already interested in meditation and mindful parenting, but this particular life situation felt as if it tested my practice to its limits. I began focusing even more on connecting to myself more deeply and my children more deeply in what little time I had available. And I also began working with parents at Twitter and realized that I was not suffering and struggling alone, that parents all over the country and I'm sure all over the world were often struggling and suffering in silence in their organizations. So prior to this time, I'd never fully experienced the challenges of being a working parent out of the home all week long. And not only was I gone all week, but I was tied to my computer in the evenings and often on the weekends like a ball and chain. And 
um, like I mentioned, I love my work, but it was really hard on my family. So it was a huge learning experience for me. I bet. And I can absolutely relate. Uh, I left I left my corporate job 10 years ago now. And while I'm so grateful for every bit of the experience, I am even more grateful that I had the courage to move on and, and do my own thing and be more present in my work and with my family and, and, and for myself. Yeah, yeah. And it, it does take a lot of courage. And, you know, it's a privilege. Also. It is a privilege. It really is. And do you feel during that time that you found some work-life balance during those days? You know, I don't know if I buy into the whole work-life balance thing. Um, you know, I really question whether we ever feel perfectly balanced. Um, I don't think that's the case. I think that we just course correct along the way. However, I can say with certainty that my meditation practice and intention to parent awake was supported during that time in ways I could never fully describe. That messy, full life gave me the launching point for my deepest exploration and inquiry into who I am as a human being. I think of myself as a human first, parent yes, second. Yes. Right? If I tend to my very human inner world, commit to learning about myself, and stay curious, I find my life much more peaceful and full of joy. I agree completely. And and I think about the when you were talking about not buying into the whole work-life balance thing. My umbrella company is True Balance International. And the reason why I created that was because, in my opinion, True Balance is a loyal dance. We're constantly moving and flowing and, and changing and growing. So it's not something where, okay, I nailed it. Here I am. I have work-life balance. You know, <laughs> It's always in flux. It's a dance. I would very much like to know how you got interested in mindfulness and meditation. Uh, you know, I was initially introduced to meditation when I was about 20 or 21 years old. I was in college in Tallahassee, Florida. I went to Florida State and I made my way somehow to a unity church there. I'd been having a really hard time just in life in general and I was on a bit of a spiritual quest. And the church I went to did a group guided meditation each Sunday. And I would just sit there holding hands with each person, stranger, who was next to me on each side. And I would just pour tears every time I was there. And I wasn't sure what was waking up inside of me, but I knew it was important. And I knew it was something that I needed to attend to. And this experience set me on a path of curiosity, and I began reading more books, books by Thich Nhat Hanh, John Kabat-Zinn, books about reincarnation. Um, I read biographies about visionaries and people who struggled in life but used their struggles to grow and learn about themselves, people like Maya Angelou. And I began to understand for the first time that all the crud of our lives <laughs> are always the greatest fodder for human growth. I was, I was really pretty relieved to start to understand this. And it wasn't until many years later, when I was in my early 30s, that I began to practice regularly. And by this time, I had a four-year-old and a six-month-old. So I came to my true path of practice, needing to be very creative with finding time um, to fit it in. Oh, yeah. And that, like, so many of us who have uh, a full plate as as parents and 
as partners and as professional people, you know, all of the different roles that we play, often meditation gets pushed, pushed aside or, or self-care gets pushed aside or these things that are so very crucial to peace, to being peaceful, to finding that place where, where we can be still. So uh, I really appreciate and admire the creativity that comes with finding those spaces. What would you say to parents who tell you that they can't practice mindfulness or meditation because they are too busy? <laughs> well, there's a great old Zen saying that says you should practice 20 minutes a day. Unless you're too busy, then you should practice for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's a bit of a mantra for me. And you know, the hardest part about practice is remembering to do it or making the time to do it. And I think for parents, it's important to weave practice into their daily lives. When I work with parents or work with groups or work in companies, that is something I'm always stressing is that you have to weave it into what works for you, right? The idea that you should practice at the same time each day kind of goes out the window for parents, which, you know, many people teach same time each day in the same place, keep it consistent. For us parents, we have to take what we can get when we can get it. And for years, I sat in my son's room as they fell asleep at night. You know, I'd sit in, I'd lay in bed with them for a little while and do the cuddling. And then I'd have my cushion on the floor of their room and I would sit for until they fell asleep because they wanted me in their room at bedtime. So it worked beautifully. And I would often get up first thing in the morning and just prop myself up on my pillow in my bed and sit for five or 10 minutes or whenever I was interrupted, you know, when my one of my kids woke up and came in my room. And day-longs, longer retreats um, sometimes have to wait. They eventually came because I was really drawn to practice. And I think I find that with people in general, parents included, is that when you start small and it becomes a habit and you get that feeling and that experience and you start to shift and change, that you, you're drawn to it more and practice begins to call you. And the nice thing is that mindfulness can be practiced anywhere and anytime, you know, washing dishes, singing to your kids, um, during a hug, when we're feeling big emotions towards our teenagers, right? <laughs> we can be mindful. Oh, wow. I'm really triggered right now. Right. I'm noticing that. So that's life is every bit of our life is part of our practice. It sure is. And when you can, when you get to a place where you can be the observer and where you can say, oh, well, that was interesting. I think maybe I, I might like to handle that different next time because we're not going to just show up and be 100% mindful. There's still going to be unconscious things that, that come up and happen every single day. We, we keep working at it. That is our, our life's practice. And I love now being in that space of what was the lesson in that? And now how could I do that differently? And uh, oh, that's an old pattern. Apparently, I need to do some more work there. You know, whatever it might be to be. So you're being a little bit more understanding and gentle with yourself at the same time as you continue to practice because it is a lifelong practice. Yes, it is. And also for parents, that ability, once, you, once you're able to reflect more in that way, you can recover more, right? Because we all have these moments with our kids where something goes wrong, we raise our voice, we say something snarky, right? We do things in a way that we wish we hadn't, like we wish we could take it back. Right. And, and when we're practicing and having that awareness you were just describing, we can go back and we can, we can make that reparation with them. We can repair 
time. Yes, yes. And and that's a really for parents. I tell them all the time there is nothing more bonding um, in the parent-child relationship than having us screw up and go to them and say, I screwed up, right? I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I would have said something differently, right? It, it bonds the relationship and it also teaches them that this is how to be in the world. Yes, right? exactly. And they do the same thing with, with us and with others. Exactly right. Because I think for far too long, there and it's still going on around us right now is that our parents are have been raised in such a way where their parents never apologized or took credit for their own crazy pants behavior in the moment. <laughs> and so uh, it's it's what we learn. And it's not, it can be unlearned very easily. You get to be human and be a parent. And you can course correct. And, and like you said, what a great way to teach our young ones that these things do happen and that we apologize, forgive, and move on. If you've been raised in a family that, that hollers and, and yells and loses their minds, then chances are you're going to holler and yell and lose your mind until you learn how to bring it down, That yes, until you yes. learn how that, that that's not the only way that this this uh, can be done, that it can be done with, with much more love and kindness and and it and again we go back to that it takes practice it does take practice and that even when you do yell and lose it that or your child yells and lose it that we loses it that we can actually get excited in that moment right because there's sure information there right there's stuff to learn there's information there right yes, I remember there is. my son having such a tantrum so mad so mad at me at one of my kids who's maybe about 10 or 11 and so pissed off and just yelling and saying the meanest things to me. And when he finally calmed down, he's realized what he'd done. And he said, Mom, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm, I'm so sorry I was so mean to you. I'm, I feel so bad. And I said, no, no, like, this is good, right? Let's figure out, like, what just happened? Let's, let's unwind. Let's backtrack. Let's figure this out, right? And so I didn't shame him. Right. I didn't, right? I didn't match where he was, I stayed as calm as I could. And this was one of my highlights. I can't always do it this way, but I was having a, a highlight moment and I stayed calm through his tantrum. And then we were able to explore it. And he learned more about himself there than he would almost anywhere, right? In that moment. No doubt. And two questions that I've used raising my daughter that, uh, that were brought forward to me through her uh, Montessori experience were when she's lost it when she's in that place where how do you feel and what do you need mm. and sometimes they don't know or they can tell you how they feel and they might not know what they need but you can take it back to that really nurturing loving um, you know not asking them to stop it not asking them to be quiet not asking them to you know to to uh, bottle it up but how do yes. you feel and what do you need Yes, and in the words of nonviolent communication, you know, what needs are not being met, right? Right. Like, what needs uh, are you having that's not being met? So, such good stuff. I could talk to you about this for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> hey, so I, so I noticed that you're an advisor to the Wisdom 2.0 conference. Tell, tell us about that. Yeah, I've been so blessed that I've been advising the conference for many years. So I've been part of an extended community of mindfulness and meditation teachers and practitioners who are really committed to supporting others on their inner journey. 
I'm just so excited to get to share the work of the folks that I know through that Wisdom 2.0 community, as well as my other conscious communities with my listeners. I've always said that if someone would just pay me to learn, I would love that. (laughs) And although I haven't nailed that job down yet, it feels great to be launching this project as part of my work in the world. The conference is a, a very special coming together of the contemplative community with the technology community and also many other social um, area, social areas of, of, of our lives. So it's a, a very special, very special gathering each year and we have other offerings throughout the year. But I'd love to encourage people. It's coming up in February of this year and even if you can't be with us in San Francisco, we live stream it for free. Um, so you can you can watch the live stream and live stream and watch any of our previous speakers for free on the website. It's a, it's a wonderful offering. With all of this experience, with your partnership there and uh, your own experience as a mama and a parent, that all of this kind of comes together right now at this perfect time to create this new offering. And what can your listeners expect when they listen in to Mindful Parenting in a Messy World? Well, each month I'll be interviewing luminaries in the field. Um, I'll be sharing my own hard-earned wisdom and offering different kinds of awareness-based practices to support listeners in in attuning to themselves and their children more deeply. So that's a little bit about, you know, my plans for now, but I think eventually I'd like to do some different series and focus on different areas that would be of interest and of service to parents. So more to come on, on what's in the future. And I know that you've got some exciting interviews lined up to kick off your your brand new podcast. Do you want to tell us who you'll be speaking with? Yeah, so I've already had um, a few interviews. I've spoken to Susan Kaiser Greenland, who has a new book out called Mindful Games, and she has a book from the past called The Mindful Child. And she is a um, really a pioneer in the field of bringing mindfulness in a secular way into education and working with parents. She's um, incredible, incredible woman. And also I spoke recently with um, James Barras and Michelle Liliana, who recently um, published a book called Awakening Joy for Kids. And so it's a wonderful compilation of James's work in the world. James is one of the founding teachers at Spirit Rock and Michelle's work in the world. She's been a teacher for 20, 30 years. I don't know how long and bringing mindfulness practices into her classroom. And so it's a beautiful coming together of, of their offerings in the world. Oh, I look forward to listening in. Yeah. Yeah. Michelle, what do you hope that parents will take away from your new podcast? You know, I hope parents experience this podcast as a mini retreat, a place to slow down, reflect, and then be able to move forward with more intention into their day. And my intention for the podcast is to be very practical so that parents have ideas of what to do in order to cultivate greater connection to themselves and to their children. Now, this work is not for the faint of heart. It's a practice and it takes dedication. And it's difficult, messy work. And I hope to be able to be a guidepost to help with that inner process of of personal development. Of course, I'm also hopeful that by supporting parents, I'll be supporting many children along the way too. Because as parents wake up, as we as parents wake up, um, we allow our children to wake up and be more authentic to themselves. You know, in order 
to raise consciousness in the world, I think supporting the awakening of parents is a good place to put our energy. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. It's, uh, it's amazing how much things change when you do the work that you need to do. When I, I think about being in conversation with folks who aren't doing their work versus do, being in conversation with those who are. It is such a night and day experience. And so our children are either experiencing <laughs> parents who are day-to-day -day working on themselves and becoming the best version that they can be, becoming as conscious as they can be in this lifetime, or they're not. What I'm hearing you say is that this podcast is going to really help more people awaken, which is going to help their children awaken. And that is a great gift to our world. Yeah. Yeah. And I also want to just add, you know, it's not necessarily good or bad, right? If somebody's doing their work or not doing their work, right? Um, I, I think that everybody's doing the very best they can in their situation and what they have and what their life path has been and who their parents have been. And so, you know, as parents who are working on ourselves, when we encounter those who are not, you know, I always like to remind people it's not a better than or worse than. But it sure is a contrast. Yes. I mean, it's, yes. a very, it's, very easy to, it's very easy to be able to observe and say, oh, there is a marked difference between somebody who is and somebody who isn't. And my prayer and hope, just as yours is, is that as many people as possible will have that spark, yes. will have that chance to, to find that church like you did or the person or the podcast or whomever or whatever that might be that is the catalyst to help them do their work uh, and, and move into this place. Yeah, and if I could be a catalyst for one person to yeah. move into this work, it would be worth all of it, really. It, it sure it sure would be, and I, and I know you will. You will reach more than one, that's for sure. <laughs> so where can people listen to your podcast? So Mindful Parenting in a Messy World will be available on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and on my website at michellegale.com. So please listen in, and if you like what you hear, leave some stars and a favorable review. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks, Michelle. I wish you all the best with your new podcast. Mindful parenting in a messy world is sure to change some lives. And thanks to all of the parents who listened in today. You are going to love this supportive new podcast.